0: Hey, welcome. Glad to have you with us. Glad to be with you. It is uh, eight minutes after the hour, and uh, let's see. Black Rifle is in the studio. Good morning. Good morning, Mike. How are you? I'm doing well. Great. Uh, we got a lot of ground to cover again uh, this morning. Uh, Dr. John Lott um, made an appearance at Freedom Fest in Las Vegas. If you're uh, a conservative libertarian, uh, you're a small government advocate, this is the place to go every year because uh from John lott to, to uh John Stossel all of the the uh constitutionalists are there, and they put on some incredibly educational seminars and uh dr John lott has uh, put one on uh now. Normally he uses a lot of charts and things like that, which make it hard on the ra- difficult to, to do this on the radio to a certain extent. Uh, but throughout most of this, uh, they were having a, a a problem with their AV units and uh, the visuals weren't coming up. So he's kind of forced to speak uh, and, and describe what isn't there, which makes it easier for radio. There you go. Yeah. <laughs> so uh, we're going to kick the program off: uh, exploding myths about gun control. Um, I I know that you guys have a new product line coming out, and it'll be
1: coming out when Tuesday, yeah, Tuesday. Yeah, CMMG's got a new product release in Tuesday, and you can't so. even talk about it on the air today. I can't. No, unfortunately not. We've been teasing it for a couple weeks now. Sunday, um, Monday. Yeah, it, it's close. It's just you know, it's it's two business days away. You know, actually, uh, if you're an insider for CMMG, which is uh, you know getting the newsletter and everything, you can go to the website to sign up. You know, cmmginc.com/backslash insider, uh, and you can actually find out what it is. Probably Monday afternoon. So, like the rest of the world was going to know, like midnight Monday night, uh, Tuesday morning. But Uh, those
0: people who, who are getting the back uh, the insider, uh they know what it is. They, they will Monday. They will Monday.
1: Yeah. Yeah,
0: so they'll know about 12
1: hours before the rest of the world.
0: And I know it before everybody else. And for a price, I won't <laughs> tell. No, I'm just kidding. But it's going to be big, I'm telling you. This is an incredible... It, it, yeah, our arch, engineers are great. So. They really are, because they've done something nobody else has been able to successfully do uh, on that pla- on that platform. Uh, in the meantime, uh, Brian, do you have it in there? Because I've got it here. All right, let's go with uh, Dr. John Lott. Uh, on exploding myths about gun control.
2: Prevention Research Center. I've been an academic uh, most of my life. Uh, Chief Economist at the U.S. Sentencing Commission, and I've had positions at a variety of different universities like Wharton Business School, University of Chicago, Stanford, Yale. But uh, I'm gonna talk to you a little bit about some of the misimpressions that people have about guns and crime. Normally, I'm a very empirical guy, so I would go and show you lots of graphs and stuff uh, I'm A little bit stymied on that given the technical issue that we have here But there's still lots of issues that we can go and talk about um, So just off the top of my head a couple of the claims that we frequently hear about one is that background checks uh, go and stop about 3.5 million dangerous prohibited people from obtaining guns. I mean, everybody wants to try to stop criminals or other people who might be dangerous from being able to go and get a hold of guns. Uh, the problem is is that the claims that are made simply aren't correct. Uh, you know, rather than saying 3.5 million people have been stopped from buying guns, what the what they should actually say is that there have been 3.5 million initial denials, and that almost all of those are mistakes. You know, it's one thing to stop somebody who's a felon from buying a gun. It's another thing to stop somebody simply because they have a name similar to a felon from buying a gun. So, for example, uh, the last full annual report that was put out on the background check system in 2010, the Obama administration stopped putting out these reports, you had about 76,000 initial denials. You only had uh, 48 cases referred for prosecutions. They prosecuted 26 of them, and they got 13 convictions. And often you'll hear things like, well, uh, they're, they're not enforcing the law. But the thing is, that same tiny rate of prosecutions was true under Clinton, was true under Bush, was true under Obama, and you know Republicans attacked Democrats for not enforcing the law, and Democrats attacked Republican for not enforcing the law. But if you talk to the people who are actually involved in uh, these agencies, they said they'd love to enforce them if they were real cases. But you know, just because you have somebody that has a similar name to somebody that you want to stop, uh, you're not going to go and. Uh, do enforcement actions against them. When you buy a gun, you fill out something called the 4473. You put down your name, your social security number, your address, your birthday, your race, your eye color. You're giving them all that information. You think that they're using all that information. What they use is roughly phonetically similar names and similar birthdays. And I can give you a lot of cases where people Have Simply because they have similar names to somebody else have been stopped from being able to go and buy a gun The problem is is that it's the most vulnerable people in our society who are have been harmed the most as a result of this because uh, it's primarily minorities That are prevented from being able to go and buy guns as a result of this process people tend to have names similar to others in their racial groups. Hispanics have names similar to other Hispanics. Blacks have names similar to other blacks. Uh, 30% of black males in the United States are legally prohibited from owning guns because of past criminal history. Well, whose names do you think their names are most likely to be confused with? Other law-abiding, good black males who want to go and defend themselves and their families. You know you can go and appeal when you have these types of mistakes. The problem is is that uh, it costs money. most people are going to find it necessary to go and hire a lawyer to go and uh, help them and uh, uh, you know it can cost three thousand can cost up to ten thousand dollars in order to uh, uh, to go through the legal process to fix it through something. That's absolutely no fault of their own. So not only are you having it so that minorities are overwhelmingly being stopped, but it's basically middle-income and poor blacks and Hispanics. They're being stopped. My research, if it convinces me of anything, it's that the people who are most likely to be victims of violent crime, poor blacks who live in high-crime urban areas, They're the ones who benefit by far the most for having a gun to be able to go and protect themselves. It would be great if the police were there all the time to protect people, but the police themselves know that they virtually always arrive on the crime scene after the crime's occurred, and that raises real questions about what people should do when they're having to... uh, um There we go. Hold on a second. okay now we're 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 set uh real uh questions about what they should do when they're having to confront a criminal by themselves so uh let me just finish up with that, and then I'll get back to go to the main thing that I was going to talk about, and that is um it'd be easy to fix this problem. there's really no reason why these mistakes should be occurring you know if companies do criminal background checks on employees all the time uh if Companies, when they did background checks on employees, had an error rate that was one hundredth the error rate that the federal government has. They'd be sued out of existence. If you ever want to go and debate somebody who's pushing uh, these types of background checks, just ask them why it is that we don't have the federal government having to meet the same standards for doing criminal background checks that the federal government demands that private companies have to meet. If a private company just used roughly phonetically similar names, Democrats would be screaming bloody murder, that that would result in discrimination against minorities. Well, why, if that's good enough to require that private companies do, why not go and require that the government has to do the same thing? But if you bring this up to gun control advocates, they will be screaming poison pill uh, and say that you're just trying to defeat the measure. I personally think the reason why they fight so hard against it is because it's a lot better to say there's 3.5 million dangerous or dangerous or prohibited people who have been stopped from buying guns than to go and say you know it's 35,000 or something like that. Uh, And even when you look at those numbers, it's uh, these are not dangerous criminals. These are usually people who didn't realize that they had made a mistake. I'll give you one. Example, probably one of the more egregious examples. Uh, there was a man who was 65, his wife, who had gotten threats uh, at her job. She was going to get a concealed carry permit. Uh, he decided that as a gift he would go and buy her a handgun. He went into a store, filled out the paperwork there. Uh, it turns out that 43 years earlier, he had gotten into a fist fight with his brother in their front yard, the neighbors had called the police, uh, he had been arrested, and he had pleaded guilty to domestic violence, a misdemeanor domestic violence charge. Well, that's a prohibited thing. And the prosecution argued that he surely didn't forget that he had this prohibition there and uh, and that he should have understood when he was filling out the form and signing at the bottom saying that everything was correct there that uh, that he was in fact prohibited from buying a gun, uh, but he was convicted of perjury and sentenced to three years in jail. Those, those are not the types of people, uh, you know, you're not getting really hardened criminals. Criminals may be stupid, but they're not so stupid that they go to somebody who's gonna do a background check when they know they've spent two years in jail and they're prohibited from being able to go and do that. Uh, So, I mean, it'd be nice if uh, these things uh, could be fixed, they'd be easy to fix, and I've often told people in the gun control movement for 20 years that if they fix some simple things, they could easily get these types of background checks on private transfers passed. The fact that they will fight against even, even what I regard as very reasonable changes indicates to me that they're not really interested in getting this passed. What they're more interested in is just making it difficult for law-abiding citizens to be able to go and get guns. So I want to go through some of the common claims. I don't know if you can see the, um, the thing here, but uh, some of the common claims that are made. One of the most common claims is that the United States is unique in terms of firearm homicides. And here I'll just be showing you some graphs that are in the New York Times or in uh, a publication called Vox, which, which have gotten a lot of uh, attention over time. I don't know what to do here. And uh, hello? Is this on? Hello. I'll try to speak loudly. Uh, Anyway, you can see, so they'll pick, here's a set of 14 countries that they have from Vox where it shows homicides, uh, about 30 per million people in the United States, much higher than it is in other countries. Here's something from the New York Times where they have 11 countries, 11 developed countries with the United States having about 3 per 100,000 people, higher than Italy, Canada, Sweden, Switzerland, other countries. There are a lot of issues with this. One of the issues is uh, there are a lot more countries in the world, a lot more developed countries. Uh, There are like 36 countries that meet the uh, kind of the standards for what's considered a developed country. There's an organization called uh, the OECD, uh, which is kind of the club for developed countries and it's rules based on income and production that they have. But first of all, I just want to show you how the United States compares to all countries, and then I'll show you with regard to all developed countries.
0: All right, hold on. Uh, So here it is, uh, Dr. John Lott, uh, author of More Guns, Less Crime, uh, and uh, he's going to compare the United States to all these other countries. And we'll get you that information next on Gary on Guns, 9390. It is uh, 27 minutes after the hour, and Mike O'Dell is in from Black Rifle, uh, where they are coming up... uh, uh, the parent company is coming up with a new, uh, new AR platform that he won't tell anybody about. He's uh, Mister Secret. It's you, know, the, you it's could the have worst
1: kept secret in the gun industry you, right now. Though, but I could, can't say anything.
0: You could have gone to work for the CIA or the FBI, and they'd never have been able to torture the information out of you. <laughs> it is like a lockbox, people. Uh, but this will be coming out on Tuesday. Yeah, we're excited. This is this is big. It is big. Yeah. And uh, if people want to know.
1: Uh, What this is, they can get a head start and find out on Monday, uh, but they have to get the newsletter. Yep, and And you can just go to CMMG's website, cmmginc.com. Just click the big banner that has the teaser for the video on it. It'll take you to the page to sign up to be an insider. It'll show you a little bit of the video teasing what's getting ready to come out. And that will all change Tuesday. You guys have really innovated um, the uh, AKAR Combo. Oh, I'll tell you what, that was, in my opinion, that's really what turned the corner for us. Uh, When we release, that's actually December 1st will be the five-year anniversary of us releasing the Mark 47. Yeah, I always call it the Mutant. Yep, you can. Um, (laughs) But (laughs) but you can't. No. No, I call it the Mutant. Yeah, Um, I I tell people all the time, I was like, go for it, call it that all you want. I just can't call it that, but yeah, it's it's an incredible gun Uh, that... You know, that's kind of the melding of an AR and an AK. And, uh, you know, that really got our engineers thinking outside the box. Like, what different can we do? Uh, And once that started rolling, we started coming out with a lot more fun stuff. I mean, we kind of took that mid sized platform, turned it into a 458. So, the
0: advantage, the advantage to having that AK, the the mutant, Mm -hmm. the combination of AK and AR 15. The, the the
1: advantage. The advantage. Uh, everything in my opinion. I mean, I'm an AR guy and an AK guy. I'm actually a little bit more of an AK guy. Uh, Really? but, But the nice thing about the Mark 47 is it gives you the modularity of an AR, the accuracy of an AR, the, you know, the ability to put whatever you want on it like an AR, but, the inexpensive round of an ak, um, a thirty caliber projectile that's significantly inexpensive, able to use a lot of surplus magazines and just the thing is a beast. like we have one of them, uh, it's a full auto ten inch barrel that I've been taking to event after event after event for the past you know almost five years. And that gun, pretty much solid diet of steel case seven six two by three nine, is around a hundred thousand rounds through it. Wow, and the thing still has rifling in the barrel, and I'm mean to that gun. Like I will, I will shoot it so it's so hot you can't hold it and just quench it in a cooler of water. Pick it up and run it more. Like our machinists hate Ooh. hearing that.
0: Ooh. <laughs> I think you made an enemy
1: or two. Yeah, with that. Oh, it's so mean to it. But the thing's just like, okay, that's what you're gonna do. Let's do it. And it's it's, it's to the point when when that gun dies, I'm I'm gonna just be curious what it is that kills it. Give it an autopsy. <laughs> yeah. Uh, now, if somebody is uh, interested
0: in getting the uh, the uh, mutant, uh-huh. can they go down to Black Rifle? Oh, they sure can. I know they've got some and on the wall. Yep. know. Uh, I got a chance to shoot that, I think, just before it came out. Yeah. Yeah, out we, yeah, we, we did a little day. video on that. Yeah. Yeah. That was
1: impressive. Yeah. I, I was think was... we freeze-framed on your face because you were just kind of like, oh, <laughs> oh we, uh, yeah. yeah. It was that, wow, well, you know, a yeah, moment. It,
0: it, the difference uh, just in firing the, the AK versus the AR. The AK is a shoulder beater.
1: It is. Um, so the, the recoil, you know, the buffer system in an AR uh, really greatly reduces the felt recoil. So using that type of system with a 7.62x3.9 round just makes it even easier to shoot, too. It is absolutely fabulous. All right. Dr. John Lott, uh, we'll get back to John Lott as he
0: explains the difference uh, in shootings uh, between the United States and other countries. We'll do that next Garand guns 93.9 eagle. You have no idea what hell is till you're locked in a studio with me, with my <laughs> from Modern, from uh, Black Rifle, uh, which is a modern store in uh, I'm trying to save it <laughs> in Boonville. In Boonville, yeah, yeah. And uh, you got to know which exit to get off of. I uh, take the middle exit. I take the second one. Okay, well, but then uh, that's uh, only three <laughs> exit possibilities. Anyway, uh, down there uh, they've got. Uh, we were talking about the uh, the mutant. Uh, which is what I call it. It's
1: actually called the MK... Yeah, the Mark 47, MK 47, is the actual model designation for it. But they'll and know
0: if you walk in
1: and say mutants. If you say the mutants, they're definitely going to know it. All right.
0: So. so they're in stock down there. If you're interested, take a look. Uh, in the meantime, Dr. John Lott over at the Freedom Fest in Las Vegas is about to explain, because uh, you always see these stories about how, well, we have more shootings in the United States than they do in Great Britain, and, you know, it's uh, the gun control is making the difference. Well, there's a reason that, they, uh, that it looks like it does. And uh, Dr. Lott here is going to explain it next.
2: The uh, blue line over here is the average for homicide rates. The green is for the median, and the red is for the United States. So the United States is well below the average. It's well below It's below the median also. So more than half the countries around the world have a higher homicide rate than the united states there are a couple things to point out here briefly one is a lot of people seem to think murders and homicides are the same thing well they're not uh, and it makes a difference in these types of graphs the big difference is homicides are murders and justifiable homicides it's not really clear to me why you want to lump together justifiable homicides along with murders i mean justifiable homicides are cases where a police officer you know, is being threatened by a criminal and has to kill the criminal, or a civilian uses a gun in self-defense. Uh, the United States has a lot more justifiable homicides than other countries. You know, that would lower our ranking, cut our rate by about 20% or so uh, from what we have here and would make a significant difference. Most countries don't, the vast majority of countries don't report murders. They just report homicides, and that makes one difference there. Um, What people often do when they make comparisons across countries is to look at not homicides, but firearm homicides. And if you look at firearm homicides, the average is up here. The United States is over here, much higher than uh, the median. So why is the United States so much higher in terms of firearm homicides than we are in terms of total homicides. Well if you look at the graph carefully <clears throat> what you can see is the lines look a little thicker, there are a lot fewer names there. Forty-five percent of the countries in the world don't report firearm homicide data. And the countries that don't report firearm homicide data are the countries that have tend to have the highest homicide rates so the reason why we look relatively high in terms of firearm homicides is that the countries with the high homicide rates aren't reporting the firearm homicide rate data so it's not that we're really higher than the other countries it's just that they're removing they're just not providing the data for those other countries and that makes us look relatively worse there's no reason to believe that we're particularly high in terms of firearm homicides if you actually had the data for all the countries. And I'll just mention, on both of these graphs, some of the really worst countries don't report the data or don't report them very accurately. Uh, You know, you have places like Chicago or Philadelphia, which have had corruption issues in terms of accurately providing crime data. Well, that's something that we actually see quite common in other countries. And if you just look at developed countries, You can see uh, there are some developed countries that have much, much higher homicide rate data than we have here in the United States. Uh, Brazil uh, is about six times higher than what we have here. Uh, Russia is much higher. Chile, Estonia in the most recent years is actually a little bit higher than what we have here in the United States. One thing that's a little bit misleading, i just point out, and that is I think it's misleading to talk about a U.S. homicide rate because it varies so dramatically across the United States. 2% of the counties in the United States account for over half the murders in the United States. And if you ever look at what, and I, they make up a little bit over 20% of the population, but if you, uh, if you look at um, uh, what's called a murder map, which will graph out where the murders occur in different counties. What you'll find is that basically within about a 10-block area within those high-murder counties, you're going to find over half the murders occurring there. So they're very heavily concentrated in very tiny areas within the United States. Uh, And basically it's drug gang-related. So we we have a relatively high homicide murder rate compared to many countries simply because we have a much worse drug gang problem. So, for example, Mexico has an even worse drug gang problem than we have here in the United States. They have extremely strict gun control laws in Mexico. Since 1972, uh, they've only had one gun store in the country. It's in Mexico City. It's run by the military. Guns are extremely expensive. The most powerful rifles that you can go and buy in Mexico are twenty two caliber rifles they 're not what the drug gangs are using uh, and uh, basically, just as the drug gangs bring in drugs from the rest of the world, they bring in weapons that they use in order to do that. Okay, so I want to talk a little bit about uh, another number, and i 'm going to put these together. One of the other comparisons that people make is in terms of gun ownership rates, and this is from Vox. Basically in uh, 2007, they had about 89 guns per uh, 100 people. Uh, and you can see Switzerland is about 46 and so on. I would do this differently. The real problems with this. The source for this data is something called the Small Arms Survey. It's cited in the New York Times and Washington Post all the time. If you're interested, go look up the data. And if you go through the footnotes, you'll find that they don't provide a source for about 85% of the countries that they list. And I've been asking them for five years now, can you give me your source because I have real problems with some of the data that you're having here? And they basically refused uh, to go and actually say where they got their data from. So I'm, I don't believe these numbers. But it's something that you're going to see all the time in the media. And, uh, <clears throat> and you know there are other problems with this so for example uh, even the couple countries that they give data for like Switzerland uh, what they're looking at is private ownership of guns well Switzerland uh, at this point would require all able-bodied males between the ages of 18 and 36 to have a military issued machine gun and in many cases a handgun in their home now is it the ownership of guns that matter, or the possession of guns that matter? I would think if you're worried about people behaving responsibly or irresponsibly with guns, the possession of what guns should matter rather than the ownership. And if you were to fix this for uh, for uh, Switzerland and for Israel, which they say only has seven guns per hundred people, you know, in, in Israel the the vast majority of guns are owned by the government. And uh, you you may be in possession of a gun for 40 years, but the government technically owns it. Well, how do you count that? They ignore this. If you were to fix that, both Switzerland and Israel, in terms of possession rates, are higher than what we have here in the United States. And you get similar types of claims here. So for example, one of the claims you'll see is that the United States makes up over 4% of the world population but 42% of all civilian-owned guns in the world are in the United States. There are lots of problems with this, beyond the fact that it's based on this non-existent data for a lot of countries. But even the countries that they do have data for, they will rely on a survey. And let me give you an example of the problems with the surveys. Uh, Canada, for example, if you look at surveys of long gun ownership – in the early 1990s or even the mid-1990s, you'll find about eight and a half million Canadians on surveys would say that they own long guns. Well, when they started the long gun registry in the late 90s, uh, all of a sudden the surveys could only find about three and a half million Canadians that would say that they own long guns. Now, it could be that you had about five million Canadians that sold their guns instantly. Or you had them destroy their guns, but you would imagine if you had five million Canadians that were all of a sudden selling off their guns, it would have been noticed by the media a little bit. The gun stores might have noticed people in mass trying to turn in their guns. Nothing like that is talked about. In fact, there was some increase in sales, it looks like at that time, Um, but you can imagine that once you have a registry and you have somebody calling you up on the phone asking whether or not you know, you own a long gun, you know, you may not. You may think it's from the government or something, and you may be reticent if you were breaking the law to go and tell them, yeah, I have a gun and I haven't registered it, I'm behaving illegally here.
0: All right, uh, it is uh, 45, 46 minutes after the hour. Mike O'Dell with us from Black Rifle, and uh, we're listening to John Law talk about the phone survey, and if somebody called you up, and ask you how many guns you have in your home, what would you tell them? I mean, like, guns are bad. (laughs) Yeah, they're not going to answer and say, well, well, I've got 12 or 14 or 2 or what. They're not going to say they own a gun at all. And that's why those uh, statistics are so skewed and look so bad. All right, more with Dr. John R. Lott coming up on Gary on Guns, 93.9 Eagle. Hey, welcome. 51 minutes after the hour, Gary on Guns. Mike Odell is in from Black Rifle. Uh, kind of jamming to the, mu- to the music here. I love Peter Gunn. Brian, I think we need to make uh, a CD uh, that has just the bump music that you have assembled for this program.
1: I'll tell you what, I'll get a hold of Brian, I'll get just the list of the songs, and I'll make, like, an iTunes playlist. <laughs> we can, <laughs> and we can call it the Gary on Guns playlist. Yeah, the uh, for music lovers. Yeah.
0: <laughs> uh, anyway, Dr. John Lott was at Freedom Fest uh, this summer, and uh, he gave a speech about uh, gun myths and he has been exploding them we've been playing that on this morning's program and uh, we're going to come back with uh, a little more of dr john lott on gary on guns 93.9 eagle
2: so uh, there are real reasons to believe that this number is pretty worthless for multiple reasons that it's tremendously exaggerates the u.s share there so let's put these numbers together so on the one thing i've talked about Homicide rates or firearm homicide rates across countries. I've also talked about gun ownership rates Oh one other thing about gun ownership rates. What you really want to do is not look at a number of guns per hundred people I would argue you'd want to look at the percentage of the population that owns guns so is it, you know I could have 1% of the population own a hundred guns each or I could have 100% of the population own one gun each. If I'm talking about issues of self-defense or people behaving improperly, it seems like knowing the percent of the population with guns is a lot more useful number than going and looking at the number of guns per 100 people. But they use the number of guns per 100 people. And you get this type of graph then that shows gun ownership here and they'll look at gun-related deaths here, and they'll get this positive relationship with the United States being way out there all by itself. And here's just my own graph showing homicide rates and uh, this measure of, uh, of, uh, of gun ownership. I'm only including some of the developed countries in here. This is uh, uh, not including, uh, uh, you know, like Russia or Brazil. Here and I'll show you what happens when you change the graph in a minute. But let's say we were to ask a question, and the question is, what can the United States learn from other developed countries, excluding some of the ones with really high homicide rates like Russia and Brazil? And if you ask that question, what you find is, in fact, the countries with this measure of homicide which are and gun ownership, which I have problems with, but since you see these graphs, in the New York Times and places like that, I just want to kind of let you know how sensitive the results are. You find that, in fact, (coughs) looking at all non-U.S. countries, there's a negative relationship that more guns are associated with a slightly lower homicide rate than you would have gotten previously. (coughs) Now, if you add in these high homicide countries like Brazil and Russia, it makes it even more negative, even if you include the United States in there. See, the thing is, with the United States supposedly way out here by itself, again, I'm using their low numbers for guns for Switzerland and for Israel over here, having the United States in here all by itself by itself pulls up the line. Okay? If you were to fix just Switzerland and Israel, those two countries would be way out here and they'd pull the line right back down by themselves. So I just want you to know kind of what's, how sensitive these results are and how it just depends on one observation in there and how they're excluding some of the other observations that are there. So if you were to go and look at uh, all countries, not just developed countries, again, you find That the countries that have the most guns have the lowest homicide rates and you can look at it for firearm homicides again you find that the countries with the uh, most gun ownership rates have the lowest homicide rates but uh, and we see this also in terms of mass public shootings the claims This uh, is from the New York Times. They published the same graph a couple different times where they'll go and use the gun ownership rate numbers from the small arms survey, and they'll use uh, the uh, mass public shooting rate from somebody called Adam Langford at the University of Alabama. And and they'll show this type of positive relationship again that's there. There are a couple problems with this. One, when Langford started putting out these numbers and when the New York Times was using it he would he wouldn't give out the list of mass public shootings around the world he claimed that from 1966 through 2012 31 percent of all the mass public shooters in the United in the world were from the United States 202 from the rest of the world over those 47 years 90 from the United States And, and that got massive coverage President Obama was constantly citing these claims uh, during his administration to claim that the United States was unique in terms of mass public shootings, way out there. <clears throat> so anyway I asked him for the data I got uh, even gun control advocates to ask him for his list of mass public shootings around the world, he refused to give it out for years and uh, so finally a couple years ago I decided to bite the bullet in the Crime Prevention Research Center you can find our list of the cases from around the world at our website at crimeresearch.org. We bit the bullet, spent about $70,000. I don't know how to find cases where four people are shot in Africa or parts of South America in the 1960s or the 1970s. And he never explains how he could get a complete list of all these cases from the 1960s to the 1970s. I just looked... We just looked at the last 15 years of the period of the 47 years that uh, he looked at. And rather than the 202 shooters over the whole outside world outside the United States over 47 years, we found over 3,000 in just the last 15 years. So rather than using the exact same definition that he had in his paper, so rather than uh, the United States making up 31 percent of the mass public shooters, we found that they made up about one percent, actually less than one percent, of the mass public shooters. So we make up about 4.6 percent of the world population, one percent of the mass public shooters, we're way below the world average. There are lots of countries, once you adjust for population, in Europe, you know, uh, France, Finland. Uh, Norway, Switzerland, Russia, major countries plus lots of minor countries they have much lower rates and you can see You know these are the some of the quotes that Obama would be making and say I say this every time We've got one of these mass shootings. This just doesn't happen in other countries, and I could show you Several dozen claims and whenever the administration was asked for his source He would go and cite this study when this guy wasn't giving out his data So, uh, and I can show you lots of comments from media people who had asked him over the years for his data, and he would refuse.
0: Uh, Dr. John Lott, uh, more guns, less crime. He has been a guest on this program and the weekday program, uh, talking at Freedom Fest in Las Vegas, explaining how the faulty data, garbage in, garbage out, Mike. Yeah. Yeah, it's... uh... (laughs) (laughs) It's amazing they won't share their data. Uh, They don't have the data. They... Uh, I mean, he just points out all of the fallacies. Uh, it really is an impressive uh, piece. You can see it on uh, cspan.org. Uh, in the meantime, uh, Black Rifle is with us. Mike O'Dell, will chat with him some more next on Gary on Gun.